0: What's up, guys? We're back for episode 10 of Top Off with, um, a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Um, firstly, we'll start with um, a full kind of rundown on what topics we're going to be going through. And then we'll get into the topics. So we'll start off by recapping UFC um, 254, specifically the main event and the co-main event and the implications that has for those divisions going forward. Um then we'll, we'll switch up and go we'll talk about soccer, recap the Premier League and the Champions League. Match day two just wrapped up in the Champions League about about an hour ago. And um, then we'll uh, just briefly touch on when the NBA season's starting for 2020-2021 and um, talk about a couple of signings the Calgary Flames made and how I think that could impact them going into next season. So, again, we'll do what we did last week, which was um, – put timestamps in um uh, so yeah just look in the description of wherever you're listening on and just uh skip to wherever or if you want to give me the full retention the to boost the stats up do that but yeah so let's get in the 254 i mean we will start with the main event and could be finishing gaichi in the second round uh yeah this guy's a goat like this guy truly is one of the best fighters ever in the world and um, uh, obviously like if you know me you know I've never been like a Khabib fan or like haven't cheered him on and at one point you could have even called me a Khabib hater but um, it was um, to watch him fight was really cool and um, you know you witness greatness and I was doubtful of his style going up against strikers but he proved that he is like well equipped to to handle anything and um he's probably one of the best ever in the in the UFC and he retires on top 29 and 0 um that's crazy that he that he did that finishing 29 and 0 like just going undefeated championship fights retiring on top and he's only i think 32 years old that's like the prime for most fighters as well so yeah it's um it was uh, probably one of the biggest um, pay-per-view events in the UFC ever. And, um, uh, like, I don't think this is one of those fake retirements either. He seems like a really genuine and humble guy. And, I mean, if he said he promised his mom that he wouldn't make the, the walk down to the ring without his father apart from this fight, you could probably take that for its word. and And you could assume that's the last you've seen of him in the UFC. So um, yeah, he is probably the—he's obviously the goat lightweight, and you can consider him the goat pound for pound fighter as well. So um, yeah, just crazy how like how easy he made made most of his fights look, and um, in the last three finishes, especially on McGregor, Poirier, and um, uh, Justin Gaethje. So yeah, it's it's uh, crazy, and then the implications that it has for the lightweight division. It's kind of like wide open. Like obviously, uh, Connor and Dustin is being discussed for the January pay per view, and the easy thing to do is just simply make that for the the, the vacant title because obviously, if Habib's retired, the lightweight title's vacant, and that would be might not make the most sense if you're actually a hardcore MMA fan, but um it could make sense from the UFC cause you pin Conor McGregor on a card with a title fight with him fighting for a title and you're for sure you're going to get lots of buys on it. So, and McGregor and Poirier I think are in the top five for the rankings. I don't have them out in front of me, so I can't confirm that for sure. But, um, it wouldn't make sense though in my opinion, cause uh, you have obviously Justin Gaethje who was the interim a uh, lightweight champion after being Tony Ferguson and he just lost to Khabib. So maybe maybe it's like a, a Dominic Reyes type of thing where you lose to the champion for the undisputed championship and then you fight again your next fight, even though you lost your next fights for the championship again because it's been vacated. So like that can make sense putting Gaethje up against somebody. Obviously, Tony Ferguson, even though he lost the Gaethje back in May, he still should be in the conversation. Um, the guy, I think his named Michael Chandler, the guy that just joined the UFC. He's a, a really um, highly ranked lightweight. So, um, I, like, I've seen suggestions of like a mini tournament, having like having like Poirier and um, uh, what's it called Poirier and McGregor fight, and then having like Ferguson fight Chandler, and the winner of that for the belt, and then Gaethje gets the winner of that to like unify the belt or something. Like, I've seen weird suggestions like that. I think what they're going to do, though, is they're just going to make Poirier and McGregor for the title because that'll rake in a lot of money for the UFC. Pay-per-view buys will be crazy. And with the suggestion, too, that McGregor wants it in, I think, the AT&T Stadium in Dallas where the Dallas Cowboys play, um, if they allow a certain number of fans in for that, it'll certainly get a lot of eyes on them. And it'll just bring in the money for the UFC, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day as a sporting organization. So I'd say we probably... Probably see that. I don't think it would make the most sense. I think you should go make it like Poirier and McGregor. The winner goes on to fight the winner of like Ferguson Chandler, and then the winner eventually fights um, Justin Gaethje to like unify the belt. Even though Gaethje still Gaethje's not a champion right now, but I don't think it'd be fair to Justin Gaethje to um, have him not involved in the lightweight championship simply because like his loss was just to the best fighter on the planet. Right. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And, um, I hope they don't make McGregor and Poirier for the title, even though I'm a McGregor fan, I would prefer if he doesn't fight for the title. Cause if he wins it, he won't defend it either. But, um, yeah, that's, um, so that was the main event. Co-main event was a really good fight as well. Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannon here. And, um, yeah, Whitaker won the first round. Like I had it, 3-0 for Whitaker, 30-27 in my my books, but I'm not a judge obviously, and obviously the judging, yeah, like, and yet, yeah, to piggyback off this point of judging being terrible, uh, all three judges, I think, had or two judges had Gaethje win the first round against Khabib, which is just ridiculous, even though, like, obviously Khabib got the finish, but Khabib won the first round too, like, Gaethje was dead tired, man, at the end of the round. So yeah, judging in the UFC is just a joke, but um. Whitaker won that 29-28. I had it 30-27. First round was close, but I didn't think all three judges would have given Cannonier a round, because the second round was clearly Whitaker. Third round was shaping up to be a 10-8 until Whitaker or until Cannonier rocked Whitaker late in the round and kind of put on a flurry that Whitaker was able to to stand up against and and grind it out to make sure he got the win. So I mean, Cannonier's three-fight win streak at middleweight's done. If he had won, he would have been... This was pretty much a number one contender's fight. It was number one versus number two in the division. So um, if Cannonier had won, he would have been fighting Izzy for the title. But now Whitaker winning should hopefully set up uh, the rematch with Israel Adesanya um, probably sometime next year. You're looking maybe at like March, March, April. Uh, depending on how soon they want to get after it because both of them have just fought now and then Izzy fought in September. But that should be a good fight, the rematch, because Whitaker looks a lot more fresh now. And you got to remember Whitaker's only like 29 years old. He's been in some wars. So having him go against uh, Izzy again should be a good fight. And I think Whitaker would – I think Izzy would still win, but I think Whitaker would um, obviously last a lot longer than he did last time. Uh, for Kananier – I mean, maybe he turns around and he fights like, um, you Romero or somebody like somebody a bit lower down the rankings, like looking at the five, six, get a couple more wins. And maybe he can re get himself a title shot. Um, he, it was a, it was a tough, like that's a, it's a good fight. It's one of those fights where I don't want to see either fighter lose. Cause I think either one of them winning and getting a title shots, a really good thing. Because like, you can't not like Bobby Knuckles, man. He's, uh, he's a great person and a great fighter and um too like starting in the heavyweight division then light heavyweight and then middleweight and then being on a 3 fight win streak it would have been nice to see him get a title fight but now he's got to re earn that shot and probably beat another two contenders that are ranked in the top top 6 top 7 at least and then maybe from there that'll get him a shot but this division's a lot more clear than the lightweight division, in terms of like divisions that were impacted based on this event, uh, based on 254 that just happened on Saturday, so um, it pretty much sets up Whitaker to fight Israel Adesanya in a rematch for the middleweight title, and then for Cannonier, he'll have to go back to the drawing board, win a couple more fights, and then hopefully he'll get a shot in the future against whoever the middleweight champion is at that point in time. Overall, though, it was a really good card. Um, lots of good fights. Um. Uh, the tie-two VESA knockout on Struve was pretty do- pretty good. Um, I didn't catch it, but I know what happened at the last second of the first round. Um, yeah, overall, really good card. That was the end of Fight Island. So now we're back in Vegas for the next two pay-per-views. Um, 255, I, th- I want to say second week in November or third week, but that's the one with the flyweight title fight and... Uh, Shevchenko both flyweight titles yeah the male and female flyweight titles are on the line. It was originally supposed to be Cody Garbrandt but he pulled out because of injury so uh, it's um, I want to say it's Alex Oliveira, but I'm not 100% sure if that's his name but he is so uh, Figueiredo is defending his title. Shevchenko is also defending her title so that's a good card coming up middle of November and then the end of December is a uh, Amanda Nunes defends, I think, the 145. And then the sick fight that I'm looking forward to in the bantamweight division, Piotr Jan defending his title against uh, Aljamain Sterling. And then the winner of that should hopefully fight Corey the Sandman, Sandhagen. Uh, Corey Sandhagen is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC right now. So I, I, hope, I, I look forward to him hopefully getting a title shot next year. And hopefully it's a rematch with Aljamain who choked him out. Although Piotr Jan also pretty good. But um, I hope we get to see Aljo and Sandhagen too sometime next year. But Sandhagen also did say he wouldn't mind fighting uh, Frankie Edgar or um, TJ Dillashaw, and Dillashaw returns from suspension in January. So those could be two good fights as well, but hopefully he wins them so his title shot is not put in jeopardy. But yeah, that's um, shaping up to be the end. There's also uh, Leon Edwards and Hamza Chemaya fighting. That's uh, like a stupid fight for Leon Edwards to take, in my opinion. Um, he rejected four fights i think in the last year he rejected a uh, kamaru usman on short notice he rejected colby covington uh, there's somebody else he rejected in between that and he also rejected Stephen wonderboy thompson and that got him removed off the ufc rankings he's playing hardball like this guy he's not a draw and he hasn't his last two wins have come against one 155ers uh being Rafael dos anos and Donald Cerrone and like I don't know what he was what he was getting at doing what he was doing it's um uh not a good luck for him and then this fight too it's it's really risky for him like if he wins first of all he's beating I think Hamjad's still unranked so he's beating an unranked as the number 3 ranked himself um what it does do though is it stops the hype train similar to how marlon vera stopped uh Sean o'malley's hype train and how macy barber's hype train got got stopped uh, a while back too. i think that was like early 2020 or late 2019 but so if he does it he stops the hype train and then maybe that creates more of a draw on him and maybe that gets other people talking to him but um if he loses he's the number three ranked and he's just lost to an unranked fighter who albeit is a very good unranked fighter but um it's just like there's a lot to lose for him and he would have been smarter to take another fight maybe against somebody like wonderboy thompson so i don't know what what was going through leon edwards' head um he hasn't fought since june of last year um so it'll be a total of 18 months in between fights for him whereas hamjat's fought like what three times now in the last uh 3 months pretty much so I don't know, man. That's gonna be when the odds come out for that, it's gonna be one to take a look at. You might be smart putting some money on Hamjet, depending on if he's put as a as an underdog, because you might make out a lot of money from that. But yeah, so that's um pretty much it for the UFC. Uh you know, we set up the next couple of months. Um and yeah, just you know, talked about what happened this past week, obviously. Khabib goes out on top and good for him after the stuff he's been through this year. He deserves to have a good ending and I'm glad he glad he got that. And um, there's a really obviously touching, heartwarming moment to like when he let it all out after after his win. Uh, you could just see how much his family meant to him and that's really really something like oh, touching. Yeah, it's like, sorry, I'm at a loss of words, but that's, like, that's something really touching and you can just see how honorable of a man he is. So, yeah, that sets up uh, a different way for the division to go. So somebody with lots of honor and maybe like Conor McGregor wins the belt again and it's somebody with not as much honor holding it. But, yeah, that's just the way it goes. So, um, talk about the prem now, shift focus to another sport. And um, some surprise – or not as surprising results, but um, – I guess you consider them upsets considering the way the season started but Villa and Everton both lose their first games of the Premier League season Villa lose 3-0 to Leeds off of a I think it was a Patrick Bamford hat-trick Everton lose 2-0 to Southampton and that means for I think I saw if I saw it correctly the first time ever in Premier League history that after six games there is no undefeated team every team Every one of the 20 teams has lost. Obviously, not every one of the 20 teams has won, though, yet. I think Burnley and Sheffield uh, – Burnley, Sheffield, Fulham, and West Brom are yet to win. So, um, it's an unpredictable season so far, man. Like Even West Ham and City drawn 1-1, that's another disappointing result for City. It's just – it's crazy how, like, um, unpredictable the season is. Like, even Liverpool played pretty poorly against Sheffield and they fell down 1-0, although they still got the 2-1 win. Um, they still fell behind and just – this season's so unpredictable. Like the winner of the league is going to be whoever I guess gets luckiest now. Cause that's just all, all it looks like. Um, no team's really playing great or has played great the whole season. Besides, I guess maybe you can make the case for Villa or Everton. I didn't watch the games on the weekend, so I don't know how they performed, but through their first initial four or five games, both teams had been performing really well. So interesting to to see how this goes around now, but, like, I'd say Liverpool could still be considered favorites for the title, but with the Van Dyke injury, it's very questionable. But they're still, I think, right now tied for first in the Prem. They're just behind Everton based on goal difference, I believe it is. So, I don't know. Um, like, it's really hard to pick a favorite for the Premier League season, Premier League title this season. And obviously, United and Chelsea played each other this past weekend. Very disappointing game. Fat Frank came to Old Trafford and set up to defend and park the bus. Uh, sh- just an absolute um, boring game, really. Edward Mendy made, I'd say, two really good saves on Marcus Rashford. Um, Edinson Cavani almost scored in his first touch, which would have been so sick because it was a nice back heel flick. Uh, just went wide, though. So, um, you know, uh, Chelsea came, set up to get the draw, and that's what they got. They got a nil-nil draw. I think it was the first nil-nil draw in Frank Lampard's Premier League tenure as Chelsea manager so far. Uh, disappointing from United and not to pick up the win. Should have had the win. Mendy made some really good saves on Rashford, and um, yeah, just uh, I guess unlucky a bit because of the way Chelsea set up. A bit, a bit cowardless. Um, cowardless. I don't even think cowardless is a word. A bit of a coward move to do that and to, to sit back like that. But um, obviously they didn't come to Old Trafford looking for the win. They came looking for a draw and they got that. So um, at least they didn't, they didn't get an undeserved win. But um, it was good for United, I guess, to finally get their first clean sheet of the Premier League season. But really no no like surprising results or like, nothing like we saw before the international break at the start of October where it was a 6-1 loss for United and a 7-2 loss for Liverpool. Um, results were kind of more more tame and um, obviously besides the Southampton and the Villa loss now or Southampton Everton and the Villa loss now obviously there's no more undefeated teams in the league so yeah most unpredictable Premier League season Um, it's shaping up to be there's no clear favorite and could be as many as eight teams fighting seven teams fighting for a top four spot so so yeah let's see let's hope this um this craziness continues um, so jumping on to the the Champions League here, uh, United just beat Leipzig five nil, man, and that's crazy because um, obviously in my Champions League predictions last week I have United finishing third, and that's me also being a bit a uh, bit cautious because I don't wanna don't wanna jump too ahead with my predictions, you know what I mean? So um, seeing them win five nil and like you could say it's a bit flattering because a lot of the goals did come late on, um, but Leipzig didn't really threaten apart from. They made to him made one good save off a of corner. I think it was Canate that headed near post, and him at made a really good save. Um, besides that, when we got chances, we, we really just took advantage of them. We're clinical. Mason Green was, with a really good finish in the first half. Uh, Rashford comes on, plays 16 minutes, or scores three goals in 16 minutes. He played 24 minutes, but in the 16-minute span, he scored his hat-trick. Very good at Rashford to give Martial the pen to help him break his duck for the season. Um would have been nice to see Cavani score. I mean, he did score, but it was offside. Bruno was trying to play him in. So it's nice to see that the players care about one another like that, like Rashford helping Martial get off um, get off his duck and Bruno trying to set up Cavani to open his account with Man United. So very good result Um, after two games, sitting top of the group, six points with a, a plus six goal difference as well. Next two Champions League matches are against Istanbul, who are the weakest in the group, but... That doesn't mean you can take them lightly. The trip to Istanbul next week is going to be very difficult. Um, PSG managed to squeeze out a 2-0 win there this week, but um, there's no guaranteeing United can do the same. So for now, i just got to keep my, my toes on the ground, stay humble, and hopefully United can carry this form into the Premier League on Sunday against Arsenal because uh, we need to start winning some Premier League games as well um, and winning at home three games so far at Old Trafford in the Prem without a home win. So hopefully we can change that Sunday and beat Arsenal and just carry on that form. So it's Arsenal. Then we travel away to Istanbul for a game Wednesday. And then we travel to uh, Goodison Park for Everton next Saturday. And then I think it's a, another international break. So three more games here in the span of I think seven days starting Sunday. So squad rotation is going to be key. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dean Henderson honestly start the game in Istanbul. Uh, He is, He's played the the league cup games. hasn't featured in any Champions League games, but um, I'd expect him to start that game. I like the the formation only went with today. Uh, Diamond midfield. Brad's been playing sick in midfield, and hopefully he keeps up his good run of form and starts. Uh, I'd I'd expect us to see the same midfield three in the prem again, being Bruno, McTominay, and Fred. With Pogba coming on as an impact sub, and then Pogba starting the Champions League game next week, along with Matic and Van de Beek again. Um, Martial has one more game to serve in his domestic ban, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised. So it'd be Rashford, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if Cavani starts because obviously Dan James doesn't offer you much down the right flank or down any flank right now. His confidence is very low. It'd be nice to see him actually loaned out to the championship side to regain that confidence. Mason Greenwood could possibly start as another option. One Mata has been really good the past two games he started. Um, Chelsea a bit less than compared to Newcastle the week before. But um, there's being some nice competition developed. Uh, Alex Tejas hasn't featured since the PSG game. Could be a knock on him. I don't know because he hadn't even made the bench today. Uh, Tuan Zebe performed immaculately last week. He got on this week um, to play a bit at right back for about the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, or last like fifteen minutes or so, and um yeah, like um I'm liking in the the depth of this this team a lot, things are starting to look up and look in the positive direction, however, you have to stay humble and you got to remain with your toes down here this is you can't get too head ahead of yourself, so hopefully they can they can uh take advantage of this really good game that they had today and use that to build momentum and build form especially going to next week before the next international break. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully hopefully it, it works out for us well. Um, the other Champions League results, uh, nothing too surprising. I mean, Barcelona did beat Juventus, and I honestly expected Juventus to win there. Um, yeah, I had Juventus winning the group in my group predictions. So I don't know, Juventus look a bit lackluster. Uh, Real Madrid almost lost. They scored two goals in the last six minutes, I think it was, to salvage a point there. Um, it would have been really good for Munch and Gladbeck had they won. Um, they would have put themselves in a good position. Right now, Shakhtar in that group is in a really good position because of their draw as well with Inter Milan. They've had Real Madrid away and Inter Milan at home, and they picked up four out of, out of a possible six points. So it's, it's looking good for them if they want to kind of create an upset and then get ahead of Inter and (coughs) sorry and Real into the knockout rounds Um, but besides that I'm just thinking off the top of my head there wasn't really any other surprising results beside and like the Barca results not even that surprising they're still a decent team and Juventus isn't as good as they seem to be the Real one was more surprising considering they almost lost that one but yeah overall you know, not too many surprising results in the Champions League. Um, next week, we'll wrap up a triple header of three Champions League match days in a row. And that's how it's going to go again at, in November. It's so many, like end of November and first two, two weeks of December. So a lot of fixture congestion, but it's good for us fans who just want to sit back and watch and enjoy. So now uh, go on to the... NBA. So um, I don't know, if, like, I can't remember if I touched on it last week or not, but obviously the NBA speculated start date as reported by Shams Charania, um was December 22nd. And obviously to that's to get the Christmas day games, which bring them in the most revenue besides, uh, besides playoff games. And the fan in me is like, damn, that's awesome. Like that's crazy. We get, we have ball again within less than two months and that's like really exciting to look forward to and you know can't can't wait type of thing and then um whereas the kind of like more empathetic sympathetic side i guess the person side if you want to call it um realizes that's probably not enough time for these athletes to recover specifically the lakers and the heat like jimmy butler who played a hell of a lot anthony davis lebron james like that's like less that's a i think just over two months just over about nine ten weeks there before they got to go at it again because you got to remember they played um so they had a four month break obviously because of the lockdown then they played three months straight i think or four july august no started end of july my bad um august september october so played three months straight uh high intensity basketball playing for the championship playing for the best prize there is and um then like, they need a bit more of a rest. And that's what the pushback is being now. Uh, I've seen reports of lots of star players headlined by LeBron James pushing for a January the 18th start date, which would be on um, Martin Luther King Day, which is also a holiday in the States. So they normally put day games on during that as well. And um, just so I'd assume that's another day that brings them in lots of revenue. And I'd also assume that's the latest the NBA would be willing to push back the start to their season, simply because obviously if uh, MLK and um, Martin Luther King Day and Christmas Day are their two highest earning, maybe along with like the Black Friday games, like if those are their dates, they've already lost out on the Black Friday dates that go along with American Thanksgiving. Um, So then Christmas Day, they wanted to get games on so they can try and make money because it's obviously without fans, a lot of teams aren't making as much money as they would because they don't have as marketable, like obviously Lakers fans are going to be buying Lakers jerseys more compared to the fans that are going to be buying the jerseys for the memphis grizzlies for example right or let me pick a shittier team like the sacramento kings right so you got to take that into account the detroit pistons yeah that's another one um detroit pistons probably not going to get that much money after jersey sales but like the point i'm trying to make here is there's teams that are going to need to rely on ticket sales and arena concessions for their for their funds and so that's why i think the NBA really wanted to get games out on Christmas is so that they can make a lot of money from those games. Cause obviously those are the games that bring them the money as opposed to the playoff games, like apart from every other apart from playoff games, Christmas day games are going to get them the most money. So now if they're, if there's pushback against starting before Christmas, they have to start before the January holiday the Martin Luther King day. And that's because they put on lots of games those days as well. Day games happen and, They get money off those, so that's what they have to do. And obviously, that makes more sense from a perspective of letting the athletes rest for one more month. Because you have to look at it too. It's not like, oh, okay, they rested from when the season ended to exactly December 22nd. Like they got to start training camp and stuff uh, about three weeks before or two weeks before minimum. Because the the thing too is um. NBA draft so happens, I think, November 18th, like mid-November sometime, right? And then free agency is set to open December 1st. So if the season was slated to start December 22nd, you'd normally have training camps open three weeks before. So if free agency is December 1st and you have these guys changing teams and stuff, first of all, they're missing the start of training camp because they don't know what team they're going to be on. Secondly, once they sign, they're going to be missing training. Like, it's going to be a hectic training camp because they got to... Then resolve the issue of moving during a pandemic to a new city and finding accommodation there where they're going to stay and all that kind of stuff so like from the actual perspective of looking at things logistically and not just looking at it like okay we want to get we want as fans we want the game back as soon as possible as um as the league we want to make as much money as possible so we're gonna we want christmas day games if you take that aspect out, it doesn't make sense to start in uh, in December. It makes more sense to start January 18th. And that's simply because if free agency happens December 1st and you say training camps start after Christmas, have them start on like December 26th, 27th, um, that gives those free agents that have signed to new teams as well. It gives them over the holiday period, all of December to figure out how they're going to move their stuff, where they're going to, where they're staying, all that kind of stuff. And then it lets them get settled into their new city before the start of training camp. Because by the sounds of it, the, it looks like the Toronto Raptors will have to find a place to play in the States. They're looking at Kentucky. But um that's been rejected by them because they don't want to play in Louisiana, uh, obviously because of the Brianna Taylor shooting. Um, I've seen uh, seen uh, rumors about them possibly playing in Kansas City. So it's, it's looking likely that it'll be, just be – um, all 30 teams rooted in the United States and just traveling around to city to city and playing in empty stadiums or maybe they'll be in stadiums that are like filled with fans according to local guidelines, kind of like similar to the NFL because there's been no talk about a bubble or anything. So um, if that's the case, like obviously all of that stuff in the schedule and everything would have to be sorted out quickly. So the plan was for if the season started in December, for it to be a 72-game season so that with the playoffs, um, it would be finished before the Tokyo Olympics in summer of 2021. So if they go to January 18th, you're probably cut it looking at cutting out another 10 to 15 games. So instead, you're looking at somewhere between around a 60-game regular season. So obviously, the logistics and everything about scheduling, how many times teams are going to play one another, who's traveling where. Obviously, you probably want them to travel closer to teams that are geographically um near to one another so it's going to be like really interesting to see how this goes um because like like i don't know if you guys listening to this actually care about this type of shit this type of shit interests me a lot like i'm always like looking into how um leagues create their schedules and stuff like i'm always looking at like how arena dates play into it and everything like that how their road trips are planned like when they're playing away games like which city do they go to first is it grouped in terms of like kilometers like all that type of stuff it 's really interesting to me, so i 'm um, looking forward to seeing the the return to play plan again to see how they plan all this stuff out because it 's challenging enough when there's when you 're just like looking at conflicting arena dates but now you're you got to possibly relocate one team for a season to another country, and then you got to navigate travel and um, everything like allowing fans back into arenas and stuff like that. During a pandemic. So it's going to be really interesting and really fun, in my opinion, to like witness this this type of stuff go down. And um, I think more realistically, probably looking at January 18th than December 22nd, obviously I'd love it if it's December 22nd, means there's about less than eight weeks until we get ball back. But um, I think January 18th makes a lot more sense. And especially if guys like the top players in the league, especially backed by LeBron, are are pushing towards that start, I think the league will fold, but I don't think they'll fold further than that date um yeah so now i guess this one uh, it's a quite a short podcast this week um obviously sporting stuff specifically north american sports have really slowed down a lot um so this one we're going to end off here just talking about hockey so same thing with hockey really um there was no rumored return date they wanted to start around january 1st and um, that's more doable because they're the, that season ended before the end um, before the NBA season ended so players get a bit more time recovery also free agency occurred October 9th so t- a majority of the big players have signed they'll have time to you know go check out the city that they're they've signed with and set up accommodations and stuff like that and just get used to it before training camp starts um, the only thing is uh, obviously border closures so they're looking at maybe a Canadian division and then having the 24 American teams play one another. I don't know how that'll work, but I just know if we're playing Edmonton like every second day, that's going to be crazy. But um, yeah, so lots of moving parts there. Um, the AHL, which is the NHL affiliate league, has signed off on a presumptual February 4th start date. Originally they were saying they want to start in December, but because of border closures and, Stuff like that. Uh, They've pushed it back to February fourth. So there's a possibility the NHL maybe pushes their season back to a similar timeline. Because until the border stuff is sorted out, it's gonna be very hard to plan something. Like you can have a Canadian division, right? But um, what about then when it comes to like your playoffs setting that up? You can't. You can only have Canadian teams play each other for so long. So it'll be very interesting to see how that how that goes about and how that works. Um. I think uh, we'll see something like they start sometime in 2021, have a certain number of games where they're just playing interdivision division teams. Obviously, if there's a Canadian division, that's seven teams, meaning you play six other teams. So you play them each like maybe three, four times. That's 18, 24 games. You can't do much more than that. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Like I'm actually a really – really excited as much as my monotone voice doesn't sound like it i'm very excited to see the the return to play plans and how they turn out and how stuff actually goes down because obviously with um cases on the rise and stuff it's become more and more difficult to to plan to um uh to what's the word here predict i guess to predict things to predict how things will pan out to predict when this will slow down so um yeah i don't know we'll see what we'll see what goes on here. Um. So yeah, uh, a quick note on the Calgary Flames as so, well. We signed um, since the last time I recorded. I don't know if I touched on Dominic Simone, but I remember I talked about uh, Joachim Nordstrom last week. But Simone and Josh Leivo have signed with the Flames, and a man, I really like our depth. Oh, and Nikita Nesterov, two defensemen, he signed as well. And like I just I really like our depth this year. Like uh, the Nesterov signing is a bit like eh, to me because it kind of signals like. Okay, that's probably it for Shillington. And I'm a, I'm a big Shillington supporter and Shillington fan. And I really wanted him to have a chance playing on the bottom pairing with uh, with a Yusuf Alamaki. So, um, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's tough. Uh, like, obviously, if Shillington is an NHL player, he should be able to beat out Nesterov for a spot. But at the same time, too, like Nikita Nesterov um, was in his home country of Russia. He's the captain of the team there. He signed a minimum deal with the Flames here. He's not com- he's not coming over to North America to play in the AHL. He's coming over to North America to play in the NHL again. And quite frankly, like, that should be expected that he's going to be the number six now, um, which sucks for Shellington and fans of Shellington like myself who actually wanted to see him get a proper chance because we've replaced him two straight years at the deadline. Um, Fantenberg last year, for Burton Gustafson this year. So um, I don't know. I don't think he's getting a fair shake, but you can also argue that he hasn't made the most of his opportunity but i mean he hasn't you have to be given an opportunity first to make the most of it so um yeah like i like the signing of nestrov i don't like the implications it has on shellington though uh levo and uh, dominic simone provide us outstanding depth like just looking through the depth charts right now right like um obviously my lines are different and i'll have a more in-depth preview on my lines whenever there's, like, I did an in-depth preview, I think, in last week's episode, but I also do a proper in-depth one when training camps actually start, when there's a more of a more of a, um, like, set date on when the season's starting. But if you just look at the depth charts right now, right, like, on the left wing, you got Gaudreau, Kachuk, um, Dylan Dubé, uh, Milan Lucic. On, in center, you got Monaghan, Backlund, Sam Bennett, Derek Ryan, obviously Lindholm can also play center, so that's a big bonus. Uh, on the right side, you got Lindholm, you got Manjapani, you got uh, Josh Levo now, you had Dominic Simone, Joachim Nordstrom, Glenn Godin as well as fighting for a spot. Like, you just compare our, our bottom six from last year to our bottom six this year, and it's miles ahead. Like, and I'm not talking about the return to play because obviously Lucic, Dube, and Bennett performed really well. I'm talking about during the actual season. Like, our third line was Lucic, uh, Ryan, and I think I want to say Dube for the most part. And then the fourth line was like Jankowski. Reader or Ronaldo and Sam Bennett. And now that's turned into Lucic and Derek Ryan are most likely going to be on your fourth line with like either Dominic Simone, Joachim Nordstrom or Glenn Godden. And your third line's looking like a more conventional third line of like Sam Bennett, Dylan Dubé and uh, Josh Lievo. And Lievaux said to have a really good shot. So um, I'm looking like really forward to that. And um, I know I get hyped too much for flame seasons and they always end up disappointing me, but I'm looking like... I'm I'm really excited for the start of next season. I like our team a lot. Like I th- think we're going to miss the loss of TJ Brody a hell of a lot, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the steps forward, Rasmus, Noah, and Yusuf Alamaki can take forward, and Shillington if he's given that opportunity. Goal uh, goaltending, I'm really excited to see Jacob Markstrom just carry us. And um, obviously forwards, our depth is really good, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. And I'm just hoping I'm hoping Jeff Ward will try out new combinations. Um yeah, so that's um that's that on the flames there. Uh we made some really good depth signings, really good cheap depth signings as well. So I can't wait till that comes back, obviously. Um yeah, and obviously like this past week there was a talk about um the Mitchell Miller situation and how he got drafted and the stuff he did. And he is a disgusting human being, and I hope he does never touch the NHL. How even like the age I hope he has no success in his professional hockey career people discounting that saying that he was 14 when he did that type of stuff like you still have a moral compass when you're 14. That was not typical bullying that was aggravated psychological attacks against somebody that has mental disabilities and is slower in development. Um, so I don't know what the Arizona coyotes were thinking, drafting him. Many teams had him on their do not draft list specifically. I know the Vancouver Canucks had it for sure. Um, and I hope that like teams like the Calgary flames had it for sure. Uh, I don't see how you can say hockey is for everyone and hockey is inclusive and then go ahead and draft that scumbag, that human piece of dirt. I hope he has no success professionally. Um, if if he's shown no remorse over his actions that were only four years ago and he got drafted into an NHL team, it's a it's a fucking joke, man. Um we'll do another podcast later on this off season about hockey culture in general. But um this is just like a reminder of just what a joke it is. And uh and yeah, like just this little like this little spiel about it's just got my blood boiling again. Uh after reading the story is just um he's he's an absolute waste of a human being and um if he's not shown any remorse or, or whatever for his actions, like I, I just I don't get it. It's um it doesn't make sense, and I don't know how he got drafted. Like when you do something like that, so um yeah, we'll talk about this in more in depth uh, in a future episode. Um, because yeah, the off season's still very <laughs> going to be very very long, so I'm gonna have to fill content and hockey culture has been one of the things on my list, and just the NHL um actual ineptness and reading situations and not even just about the culture but reading situation about marketing of the game so I have like a bunch of examples for this so obviously I'll leave that for another thing I'll leave that for another episode and we'll just get into get into that then but um yeah I just wanted to touch that Mitchell Miller's joke and also the news that came out today about Terrence Davis assaulting his ex-girlfriend he is also a joke um I hope the Raptors do cut him for that because that's very stupid and just not allowed you shouldn't do that but I like it's it's terrible because it's terrible because it's a bad thing to do and it's a sucky thing on the part of the fans because as a player like that's the story you want to root for you want to root for the undrafted guy that comes in and makes a name for himself and becomes a good player similar to how we've done with Fred Van Vliet and um, Terrence Davis is just an absolute joke man Uh, first the mask thing in the bubble and now this like I it sucks because he did show potential, but if he's a terrible human being, then he shouldn't be given the chance to, to play in one of the best leagues in the world and make the money that they make. So um, we'll see how the Raptors deal with that now in the coming days. And yeah, so that's pretty much it. It's a shorter episode. Um, Not a lot to fill out this week, obviously, with North American sports kind of slowing down in terms of free agency. The draft coming up for the NBA will help fill contact. We'll look at mock mock drafts and prospects and who we think the Raptors can get. And then after that, free agency will be followed pretty shortly. Um, I would say don't expect an episode out next week if you're listening to this. Um, I have a pretty busy week with school, so um, I don't think I'll have the time to – to plan out and record an episode, the week after is reading break, so I will be able to put out a, an episode, and I might just do the hockey culture episode that week. It'll be like a long one because I have a lot of stuff to say on it. But um, I'd say like next week's episode is a, is a maybe. Um, if I if I do get the time, I will put one out to, uh, depending on what happens in sports, in the sporting world in the next week. But um, I'd say I'll probably, probably won't have an episode out next week. So I mean, if you're if you are a weekly listener. I uh, don't expect one next week, but I will be back the week after for sure. And if one does come out next week, it's probably because I did find the time to do it. So, yeah. And um, I uh, I wanted to like shout out the two listeners in Virginia and Texas. I know you guys listen. I have no clue who you are, but I see you guys downloading the episodes every week and I don't know who you guys are, but that's sick. So, um, shout out you guys. I don't know if you want it, want to do this, but like just message me on Instagram top Offler podcast. I just want to see what you guys are about and uh, how you found the podcast and, and why you listen to it. Cause um, that's pretty cool to see. And, uh, or if you're just bots, I don't know, but like, that's pretty cool to see. So, um, yeah, that's uh shout out you guys, man. Shout out you guys. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week. Um, the usual follow a top Offler podcast on Instagram. Uh, follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, follow the I think it's Podbean, yeah Podbean page. And yep, we will um, I'll talk to you guys probably two weeks from now. so goodbye. <laughs>